Welcome to episode 36 of the Thodcast, Conversations About Animation. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we're just going to hop right into the main event. Uh, this is sort of part two of our discussion on The Lion King. <laughs> and um, we just got done talking about the original back in 1994. And now I am once again joined. Uh, this is Philip Elke, your host. I'm joined by, well, firstly, from Minnesota, Hannah Lee Smart, and also the queen bee of Pretty Princess Parties from Georgia, Jody Pulaski. We're just going to jump right into this conversation because it's going to be a pretty laid back, casual summer day of just chatting and, I don't know, uh, what, what do cats do? Uh, they, they, they screech. Nap. <laughs> they, they nap. Yeah, a leisurely um prowl through these uh these films and specifically today um the new live action uh photo reel lion king from 2019 but uh first off how are y'all doing again i am doing perfect like a cat <laughs> that, that was jody for everyone who's not aware <laughs> And I'm ready for a roaring good time. Oh, hey, Hannah. You guys are much better at the lion puns than I am. <laughs> We're so uh, ready. This is just already become a catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> but how, all right. So it, Lion King 2019 is out. The, the photo reel. So I was just sort of shooting from the hip when I mentioned we should refer to the new Lion King as the photoreal Lion King. But actually, there was like a legit press release where they announced that's how they were going to refer to it. So I might have just been channeling that. I don't know. Is the reason why they call it a photorealist version instead of like a live action or a remake because so many scenes are picture for picture based off the original? Like that, that's the main reason they want to call it that? Well, it's it's not technically live action, and it's the only reason it's photoreal is because it's indistinguishable from live action for the most part. I mean, you can still tell that it's CGI in in some ways, but it's designed to look as though they're photographing real life animals, um, and you know it's clearly, um, and you know shot like a, a nature documentary and it's almost you know bringing animals to life at this scale um is is not a cheap endeavor if you're doing it using all cgi so they had to come up with a way to sort of sell the prospect of showcasing like a uh, nature documentary in cg in, you know, in a way that would be marketable. So Yeah, that, that, I thought yeah. I was watching Planet Earth. Like, half the time I thought I was watching that. Do you happen to know what the budget was for this film? I'm trying to pull it up right now. Uh, My guess is $200 million. Yeah, it's, it's probably around that ballpark. Just in the production budget, plus, you know, somewhere close to that in marketing and distribution. So... Many, they marketed uh, yeah. the cat out of this one. That's not a real pun, but like the marketing for this movie, I would say 
went above and beyond marketing for all other remake photorealist live action you know disney movies Mm -hmm. i saw lion king everywhere from mcdonald's to like billboards downtown um i thought they really were pushing this one but i do think i think that all the marketing that went into it was worth it the theater that i went to see it at was totally packed and i had to go at 9 30 and all the showings before me were sold out like which is so funny because my theater i was literally my friend and i were the only ones there what yeah we were like the only ones in the whole theater and we went like soon after it opened it was pretty crazy all right well is that in the morning you saw it kind of earlier in the day hannah right no i saw it at 9 32 at Actually, night 9 45 okay i saw it it was like a 10 15 showing yeah. at an imax everyone's like why do you guys go to the movies so late <laughs> i yeah it's easier to find show times frankly for me yeah. um but yeah it was i mean uh, so getting into like our enjoyment well we we just mentioned you know this movie cost probably some cost di- disney somewhere around 400 million to produce and distribute Whoa! well i mean that's what we were estimating um but it's already made worldwide gross as of now 713 million 650,000 okay as someone who doesn't watch the box office numbers a lot is this pretty outstanding in, in, um, yeah in a, in a week it's it will have crossed a billion dollars in less than two weeks which is pretty incredible Oh, they must be patting themselves on the back pretty hard right now. And again, like, I know we haven't talked about, like, our gut reaction over all of it, but, like, I think well-deserved round of applause because it was beautiful. Yeah, you're pretty positive on it, uh, Jody. I know. So let's hear from you first, and then I want to hear from Hannah. Sure, sure. So quick recap. It's my favorite soundtrack. And so when I knew that they were going to throw the music into it, I knew I wanted to see it opening weekend. Um I did, you know, see pictures of the animation beforehand. So I sort of like mentally prepared myself for less, you know, emotional eyes and and more of a realistic animal look. Um, And for the opening number, it bothered me. Like when I saw Rafiki and when I saw, you know, the different animals. But after 10 minutes, I was totally immersed. I was totally in that world of the Lion King. And the only other time that I kind of fell out of it was when they did a song that wasn't in the original they did that spirit song from Beyonce where Nala and Simba are are running and that did kind of pull me out of the story but I was hypnotized I think it was my favorite you know re-released photorealist one so far mm-hmm. the one was Hannah what did you think um so I too saw pictures that like before obviously in like trailers and stuff And I think that I still love the animated feature the most because it's just what I grew up with and it's very nostalgic to me. And honestly, I think it's amazing how far technology has come that those lions were so realistic. It was Mm -hmm. honestly like very realistic. I thought like the gray tones in the movies, um, they kind of masked over the happy moments, if that makes sense. Almost the only time we didn't see that gray cast over the film 
if I remember correctly, was when they went to that almost paradise where he heads to Simba, goes with Pumbaa and mm -hmm. Timon, which I thought was kind of interesting that they didn't use that in the, like, the opening sequence and different moments like that. It almost seemed brighter with the wildebeest scene than it did at the, like, circle of life Simba's born scene, which I thought was interesting to me. Um, but the flames from the fire and all those things were very real, which I thought was really cool. I was just really impressed with all the technology in the film, and I think it brought me more of a realistic feeling, which I'm sure it was supposed to, <laughs> than I had expected, I guess, even seeing the trailers. Did you guys feel, I know Philip's going to hop in with his thoughts, but I just want to jump in super fast. Did you guys feel like this one even though it was pretty much shot for shot, like line for line, did you, oh my gosh, line for line, um, the same as the original, did you guys feel like it, it felt like a more mature story with it being less vibrant and being this type of animation style, even though the story remained the same? Mm, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it does, I wouldn't say it does, hmm. I don't know. I cried a lot more during this one, though. I think animation will forever be more childlike, but I didn't feel like it, the content itself changed to more adult, but I could see where you think that the, um, the images seemed more adult just because they were a little more realistic, very much more sure. realistic. Hmm. All right, Phil, tell well, us what you thought. <laughs> I, because these are animals that we're looking at. It's harder to communicate emotion quite as effectively. I mean, it, it really just has to come through in very subtle um, affects from the animal characters that they're trying to render photorealistically and through the vocal performances. Um, I thought the voice performances were good. Um, in In many ways, overall, they weren't I think up to the level of the original, but um, you know they definitely sh uh, they shone in certain uh, areas and and maybe lacked in others. Um, and I don't know. I um, I enjoyed it. Like I certainly got emotional just due to the um, presentation of basically the original music and. Um, and some of the visuals that match the original. Um, but it would have been, I don't know, it, it's hard to say how it would have affected me if I had never seen the original Lion King. Um, it's great music uh, it's, and a decent story and kind of a cool concept to uh, tell a story using entirely animal characters. Um, but um, it, it wasn't, you know, to me, this timeless, lasting uh, experience that um, that the original delivered quite so much. Um, I, but I do think it was good. I, I enjoyed it, and um, I it was kind of cool to see this type of animation shine. It, it is spectacular in, in many ways. It's just maybe not as evocative as the animation and because of that i i would say it's not necessarily it doesn't feel as mature mm. when these you know it does feel like you're watching animals on screen versus uh, animated characters who do feel a bit more human so uh 
Right. You do lose a lot with the facial um, expressions, I think, because like they can't just like little things where like Simba looks at his father or when they're like laughing, they're really limited with like the smaller animal eyes and um, the way those lines have those sort of jowls that cover up their, their mouth. I noticed that pretty much right off the bat is that like, but again, for me after 10 minutes, I was able to sort of like overlook all that, but it it was Mm -hmm. a little different. Yeah. And you didn't get the doomy eyes during the, uh, can you feel the love tonight? Yeah. I really wanted to love that song, but it was sort of just like a song. Yeah, yeah. Some of the musical numbers felt like afterthoughts. Um, Don't get Hannah started on Be Prepared. (laughs) Well, first, no, like one thing we missed from the original bit of trivia is that Can You Feel the Love Tonight was almost cut from the final version. Oh, you mean the song itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is hilarious. Disney tends to do that. They almost do that with part of your world, too. Mm. Like, I feel like they save themselves at the last second. Absolutely. I, I mean, it was. it's not like the characters are singing the lyrics on screen, except for right. Moon and Pumbaa, like, um, bookending the song. But um, it's mostly just uh, composed through editing, you know, that, that whole sequence. I will say with this film, I was kind of disappointed that Elton John wasn't going to sing it. And then I'm glad that he sang a different song, at least was still included in the film. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you lost me. What song does Elton John sing? Can you feel the love tonight? In in the 2019 oh, version? In the new one, he sings, um, let me look at the song title really quick. Because all the songs oh. were the same with the exception of the one I pointed out, Spirit, correct? Um, a few of them were like a little bit different, but not too crazy. There's a song called Never Too Late um, that Elton John does, but I'm, yeah, it's called Never Too Late. Was it during the credits? I didn't stay for the credits. I'm the worst about that when it comes to movies. I think it must have been because I've just been binge listening to the soundtrack. I haven't, um... I don't actually remember like when it was, but when I saw that it was like a release and I listened to the soundtrack a bunch before I went to the actual movie because I was hearing so many good things about um, Beyonce and all of these different things. And I really wanted to like, I wanted to hear the circle of life before I watched the movie. I sort of wish I would have done that as well. Um, I went with my friend Ryan and he had listened to it like all day and he like I feel like was more ready for the soundtrack changes like be prepared was so shocking to me I know that's like where Hannah can probably shine more because she loves that song so much in the original but Mm -hmm. they cut out so much during that one um that I was sort of like in my seat wait what like are they gonna come back to this or is Mm -hmm. is that it be prepared okay are we done are we prepared now (laughs) it almost seemed like they were trying to save the minutes and I do think that a lot of the scenes themselves were cut shorter, like the iconic scenes from the movie, because they wanted different elements in there, which I'm sure you always have to do. Even when you're in a play, you're on a time crunch. So a playwright will write a play that's three hours and you have two hours and 20 minutes to keep the audience. And Mm -hmm. I feel like they know their engagement. And I think it's really interesting, but also kind of to a fault for those of us that like really have a particular song but for most people I know that Be Prepared isn't a song that a lot of people I don't relate to it I just as a musical piece I think it's really 
well written and really great. If you're a guy that can sing those notes, sing it because it's a great song and not many songs are in that range that are that powerful. Um, but I think a lot of the iconic moments in the movie were kind of there for show and not there for what they were to begin with as an integral part of the story. Even Rafiki as a whole character. I was going to say that they did have to like add in, well, they didn't have to, but it's 2019. So I think they decided to push a little bit more like, not a feminist agenda, obviously, but they did play up um, Nala more so than the 1994 version and sort of Zarabi's yeah. role as well. And I think you're right, Hannah, probably to accommodate those additions, they had to make, you know, some pretty hard subtractions. Yeah, I mean, th there was very little, I thought, that added to the original. But I, I guess, um, speaking of, like, Sarabi, there was a little b backstory with, you know, she and Scar and, you know, um, Mufasa. It's, it's confirmed. Uh, spoilers for 2019's The Lion King going forward. Mufasa dies. <laughs> Mufasa dies, but also he, <laughs> he is definitely responsible for... Uh, you know, giving Scar his scar. Um, I found out, like, there's a reference material that gave Scar a real name. It's like a spin-off novel um, that lists Scar's uh, name as a child as Taka, T-A-K-A, um, huh. which in itself isn't a very flattering name from what I read. It meant, like, filth or dirt or something like that <laughs> um but uh I, I yeah who who knows the whole story that and whether that's official canon um in accordance with this film but uh and, and what it, does it mean ta he ta said he thought it means like filth or something but i mean i'd, I'd rather to... have that than them naming him scar because like self-fulfilling prophecy if they would have named him that yeah, weird. And um, Mufasa's, you know, referred to as being kind of a rambunctious youth by um, Zazu in this film. There's just a little more backstory there. Which is funny because I think Mufasa as a character is always trying to kind of hush Simba's mellow, keep him tamed. Mufasa literally means king. And Taka means garbage <laughs> in uh, in Swahili, oh. I believe. <laughs> so. Sad. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think that would make sense because I feel like, like you were just saying that Mufasa had like a rambunctious uh, youth. I feel like parents who did go off the wild track, like they try extra hard to be like more strict and guiding so that their like little ones can avoid the mistakes that they made. So that would kind of make sense. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're lions. Uh, you can't expect them to be capable of complex reasoning. <laughs> I'm trying to think if they ever reference anything like that. All I know is that the only time Mufasa like kind of, oh wait, no, actually it's Zarabi who comes off as kind of sassy is when um, at the very beginning of the film and Simba's trying to wake up his parents because it's like time to go on the the hunt or whatever or time to see the pride lands and they're like before sunrise he's your son that's always like one of my favorite lines in it mm -hmm. <laughs> that's some good humor there um 
I, th- I thought speaking of humor like yeah. what did you guys think about the updated humor with Timon and Pumbaa I thought Seth Rogen was a good choice for Pumbaa except that he can't sing you know, for <laughs> crap <laughs> apparently in some of the trivia I was reading he was having Pharrell Williams coach him and Pharrell was just like slamming his head against the wall literally I did not like the updated humor. I like to keep it classic. And I think in five years, those jokes won't be relevant. The music won't be relevant that they decided to like change. I mean, it might be like, but just not as much as today. And I think it was such a timeless story. And we all know that on the last podcast, I got a little crazy because like, you don't need to say fart. That's weird and gross. And I don't like it. And honestly, I know that a little uptight, but keep the lyrics as they're written because they were funny and they were timeless for a reason. But I know that you really like Seth Rogen and I know the internet really likes him. So unpopular, but popular opinion in my brain. I didn't like him. I thought Pharrell was fine, but, um, or, sorry. For, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> um, uh, Donald Glover was Simba. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. No. Um, I thought all of the other choices were fine. I loved that they kept, um, oh my gosh. I loved that. Uh, James Earl Jones. Yeah. James Earl Jones stayed as Mufasa. Thank you. And I thought Beyonce was a cool modern touch to Nala. I thought that was a great choice by Disney because she has her own fan base that will bring them to this film. Mm-hmm. And I thought that she was very good choice vocally as much as she didn't sing as often as you would have wanted her to just because she does have such an iconic voice. Mm-hmm. I thought those choices were pretty good. I did not like Scar. Yeah, Che Wattel, Ejiofor as Scar. I, I mean, I thought he did okay. Um, I thought it was cool how skinny he looked compared to the rest of them. It really, I really wanted him to have the dark hair and the more like auburn coat. And that's probably yeah. just me like being obsessed with the original and maybe no one else was bugged by that. But I wanted him to be more dramatically different from the His other hair was almost too short. Hmm. I mean... Yeah, I I didn't think he necessarily looked as cuz cuz with photorealistic animation like they have to make him believable as a lion. So it just it wasn't the stark contrast between him and Mufasa that you see in the original certainly. Um but I I don't know, yeah, he he was just a little bit more straight-laced in this one. But also like I, again, I don't know. I thought this whole movie was more mature. I thought he came off as like more evil with manipulating the hyenas and things like that. But maybe I should just rewatch the original. But I, 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 in this one, like hated Scar a lot more. And that maybe though, also that's because like watching this one, I'm older. So I'm like more sad about the fact that the dad died. Whereas like when I was a little kid, like it didn't actually bother me that much that Mufasa died. I was like, well, people's parents (gasps) die, whatever. But now that I'm an adult, like the thought of a parent dying, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is so dramatic for a child. Like, so I don't know if maybe it's just because I'm older and I'm watching it that I think he's more of a villain than he was back then. Yeah. I feel like I was more sympathetic with him in this one. Like, Mufasa stole his girl, stole, like, the kingdom. Well, not really, but, like, the parents let Mufasa have everything because he was first born. And I think in a royal family, that happens often. And it doesn't mean that you're the most qualified. And as Philip mentioned before in the other podcast that we did for this, um, 
doesn't he say something about I got the lion's share of the brains? Like, I feel like that's very, as the third born in my family, I would be so angry that they would just get something because they were born first. Yeah. Yeah. Scar got the lion's share. I mean, of the brains and like he uses his, <laughs> you know, superior wiles, I guess, to manipulate, you know, the whole, you know, demise yeah. of Mufasa um, and, and Sim, you know, kind of turning Simba against the pride and Mufasa, you know, on, on two occasions that we see, I guess, with manipulating Simba to like uh, visiting the elephant graveyard and then, you know, eventually the gorge sequence. Um, so I, you know, some definite um, foundation for Simba eventually like deciding his departure to be the best solution after Mufasa dies. Cause I always thought it was kind of odd that Simba would just, you know, that he would take the blame on himself for that. (laughs) Um, Right. And Scar kind of puts it in his mind that like, what will your mother think? Like it will like hurt her so much when she finds out this is your fault. Mm -hmm. Right. He sort of plants that seed before Simba takes off. Yeah, that too. Yeah, and I'm sure Simba like internally contemplates over time going back and telling his mother, but you start as a child, like you never want your mom to find out you spilled milk, let alone, you know, (laughs) you killed your dad. Yeah, that'd be Mm -hmm. pretty wild. Yeah. Did, Did Simba really believe that his little screeching is what caused the stampede i i guess maybe it's possible i don't think like necessarily he thought that but he definitely knew the reason why mufasa was down in the gorge was because he was down in the gorge and i mean they're supposed to be able to go anywhere the light touches and that's a place where light touches but Mm -hmm. I, i don't know i i think like it was probably worse of him to sneak off to the elephant graveyard because Most, yes. that was like a lot more dangerous. I don't think anyone expected the stampede. He was already on thin ice. Yeah, like he was already feeling guilty. But I think, you know, either way, you slice it, it happened. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like it's so sad and you'd feel so guilty. And like accidents happen and he's a young child. Like how old would Simba be? I don't know. I can't tell, but probably like. I feel like they're supposed to be like eight or nine. Yeah, that's my thought as well. Like, he hasn't even gotten to that point of being like a preteen. Like, all he wants to do is like run around and like talk about how he's going to be king someday. (laughs) And he even kind of puts his foot in his mouth. That moment with Scar where he's like, isn't it funny? Like, someday, like, I'm even going to have to tell you what to do. (laughs) And Scar's just like, I, gosh, I can never remember the lines. But that part is I love a lot. But it just shows like how innocent Sim is because he's not saying that to be like sassy or rude. It's really just like matter of fact, eight year old style. Yeah, being like, wow, guess what? Well, I I think I mean, literally speaking, Simba's only several weeks or months old when he's you know, in his Jonathan Taylor Thomas stage. Oh, really? And in this, well, in this uh, movie voiced by, um, Oops. Who, who does the young, um, his name's right, J.D. McCrary does young Simba. I mean, he, yeah, he's probably not more than a year old. I feel like after a year, 
lions are but fairly in lion's matured. age is like one ear like seven yeah years, like, like a dog yeah, yeah you're comparing him like to like a style. human yeah I, it, they probably age similarly to dogs or cats cats probably um but yeah the, just regardless <laughs> um one fun fact is they uh animated the eyes of the newborn Simba to be blue, whereas in the original they're orange um, because newborn lion cubs are, they have blue eyes and are and born blind. Lions are oh yeah, you are just, I was just going to say they're born blind and they I'm can't sure. see for 10 days. Okay. Yeah. Well, and their eyes do develop coloring as their eyesight develops as well. So later when he is sort of the Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I'm just going to keep calling him that. Um, <laughs> he does have yellow eyes at that point. JD McCrary. Sorry. And who does the voice of little Nala? Do you have that pulled up as well? I thought she was cute. She doesn't uh, really have a lot of uh, lines. Karate but... Night Joseph, right? From Jesse. That's right. Oh, cute. Mm -hmm. Again, she doesn't even have any singing parts, does she really? Except for maybe I just can't wait to be king. She oh yeah, has a line in there. She belted it out in that. Yeah, uh, dude, I need to see it again. She actually does lots of music. She's like a Disney Channel star. Yeah, I don't think they cast any voice doubles for this film either. So that's it's all the speaking actors. Mm -hmm. As they should. If you can't talk and sing, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I kind of think so too. It's like you have all of Hollywood and you can't find someone who's a double threat. Like they don't even have to do anything but sit there and use their voice. Yeah, they, ca they cast doubles for- All the actors are typing at Jody right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in the original, I mean that in the 90s, Disney was casting voice doubles all over the place. So it wasn't an uncommon practice yeah, then compared everywhere. to now. But I think, so, I think it's really funny to me. And I, I know it's like sometimes what they want them to sound like. Um, but it's just crazy to me. Can't you just speak how you sing? Because singing and speaking on pitch is one. I of don't you, know like, if you should tell that to Seth Rogen. Like Philip said, he couldn't sing worth a darn. Yeah, but I didn't need Seth Rogen. He wasn't my choice. There is so many people that are fun. They had Jonathan Groff. Like, use people that you know, do a great job, and have that niche, that comedy, and, like, don't say fart. Just bring Ernie Sabella back for, or, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, for just the singing. <laughs> Guys, no, like, I don't think, he, I loved Timon and Goomba. Like, I wouldn't have changed them at all. I love that part where Nala shows up in the, like, paradise, and he's like, this is my best friend. And Timon goes, that hurts. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I was like, that's how I feel about Hannah when people are like, ooh, love your best friend on her Instagram. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. but can't we just have Nathan Lane? Like, help. Yeah, I mean, all the voice acting was good. I, I mean, Billy Eichner, I get what they were going for with his character, but it just kind of fell flat compared to the original performance. Um, it, it was fine. Huge shoes to fill. 
cute. I feel like everyone would have been pretty intimidated coming into this project just because they yeah. knew the expectations were going to be so, so, so high. I feel like a lot of people, especially boys, called The Lion King their favorite Disney movie. So I'm sure everyone coming into it like gave it their all and gave it their best. It's just like it's hard to match up and line up with the original. Like like Philip said, like we can never like go to this movie blind and not compare it to the original. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. which kind of sucks because it would be kind of cool to like have this be like a our first take. But you know, a lot of like, a lot of those kids who went to it, this is their first glimpse at the Lion King and Pride, the Pride Lands. Mm-hmm. The actress uh, who replaced Whoopi Goldberg in the hyena uh, Shenzi role did a really good job, I thought. Florence Kasumba. They really added to that character, if I'm remembering correctly. In the first one, the hyenas, I mean, it's those group of three and they're laughing and there's pine needles in their butts. But this time around, <laughs> there's more of like an agenda. Like they're... They're they're more evil this too. time. I think they they have a hierarchy. Yeah, they they're even more evil in this version, which mm-hmm. is, yeah. you know is further knock against hyenas as a species. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need Christopher to come back and tell us about hyenas because didn't he say that they're like, I mean, not as bad it's as like me. saying that lions are more mean than hyenas and that they're just like but here's the thing i think the hyenas are manipulated and they are seen as a lesser species they're just easily manipulated and are sinister in getting what they want so if the hyenas are there to teach us something they're sure surely not teaching us anything other than don't be so nuts or you actually aren't getting what you want you're getting what other people think that you want when you could just be like creating your own life for yourselves there's plenty of right it's like when the one percent turns the lower class against themselves to attack the middle class literally (laughs) yeah Uh. and like thank the lord that this came out in 2019 to remind us all of that (laughs) we don't have enough reminders about that in our day yeah no we don't that was probably my favorite bit (laughs) well from uh stranger things season three did did any of you see that no, no. We only see things that are on the podcast, honestly, because okay. we get busy. Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> but my favorite joke from season three of Stranger Things was like an allegory uh, comparing uh, carnival because, like, there's a carnival set up in um, in Hoth- Hawkins um, during the summertime, and um, a character explaining America's economy to a Russian. And comparing it to, uh, you know, carnival games where everything is just rigged and people have the illusion of success <laughs> at the behest of those who are in, actually in control. <laughs> that was pretty great. Oh, my gosh. I feel like everyone's telling me to watch Stranger Things, and I'm not. I'm sitting here watching The Lion King from 1994, and oh. then again from 2019 getting all... All of my ducks in a row. The All the of funniest. My lions in a pile. <laughs> oh well, Keegan Michael Key was in this. He played one of the. They changed some of the oh. names of the. Um, uh, he played Kamari, the hyena, and Eric Andre played Azizi. So they were the you know Shenzi, Ed, and Bonsai. Ed and Bonsai aren't African names, so they decided to give them one of the hyenas clearly bit it though when they were chasing 
Simba away from the Pride Lands. Like one of them went just tumbling off of that cliff, didn't you see? Um, I don't think that was any of the named hyenas, but <laughs> they didn't seem concerned that one of their friends just, you know, fell off a cliff on what was clearly a <laughs> fatal drop. Well, maybe that's just their very, um, I love animals so much. I don't want to say this, but I feel like maybe it's an animal thing where when you're traveling in a pack, you will notice the herd, but when you're on a mission, that's your mission and you're more focused in that one mind. Although I think that's that animals what... have brains and feelings. They do have brains and feelings, but that's the case with lemmings. Like, if lemmings start running, they'll all run off a cliff. Like, they're just like, here we go, and they just chase each other off of a cliff. Like, it happens yeah. a lot in nature. Yeah, I mean, th that's I often said to be disproven, that lemmings don't do that, and that it was actually yeah, come just on, a... Come <laughs> let me have one animal it, it, it's, Well, it's fine. I Maybe they do. <laughs> They're, they maybe do similar things, but apparently in the famous Disney nature documentary that shows lemmings jumping <laughs> off a cliff, like it was okay. It wasn't but like actually... monkeys don't paint in trees, and we're believing it. Yeah. We're believing. That. Okay, let's talk about Rafiki for a split second. Now that we're talking about lemmings, Rafiki looked weird. Well, he's he's a man. He didn't talk either. He doesn't. He's not uh, anatomically vocal. correct in the original. Um, yeah, his butt's too big. And he's not supposed to have a tail. That species isn't supposed to have a tail. Oh. Like like he did in the original. I just liked him a lot in the original, and this one he kind of bored me. And okay, what really bored me when it comes to Rafiki is when that little piece of fuzz has to float across the screen for like six minutes to like show off all the animation. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, we get it. Like the dung beetle's <laughs> gonna roll it up, and then the giraffe's <laughs> gonna eat it, and we're gonna, end up, and he got it. But did that not seem like the longest scene in the whole movie? I just grossed out because it was from poop. <laughs> <laughs> Seemed unnecessary. I, I preferred the colors of the wind moment from the original. Mm -hmm. Oh, here's a quick question, Philip. You'll probably know this one. I'm just thinking about how that those scenes went and how it was like a lot of just like... Um, environment like backdrops. Um, do, did they CGI everything or did they like this is so stupid but in my head I was like maybe they like filmed a desert and then put the lions running in the desert that sounds stupid but did they use any authentic so that's what shots? they did they actually did that for one of the official Disney animated films back in 2000 do you remember dinosaur yeah uh, hardly that was there's a ride Jody we go on that ride it's like it shakes you around in the little Jeep. That has nothing to do with what this movie is. It Well, that was a movie that oh. had, <laughs> like, it was the first computer animated Walt Disney animated film that is, like, part of the official canon, uh, which, oh. which this Lion King movie is not. Uh, it's but not? That, Why? No, because this isn't... Disney's in-house animation studio. This is farmed out to other animated animation Wait, studios. Tell us more. The viewers and the listeners and the fans want to know more. Who did they farm this out to? Like, well, we a brought country? up. Yeah, in the Detective Pikachu episode we did, <laughs> Jody, you brought up the Moving Pictures Company. Oh yeah, I did. I was so smart. 
Yes, and that's who did, I believe, most of the animation on this film. Huh. Um, as well as The Jungle Book from three years ago, and um, I think Dumbo and, and other live-action Disney. I don't like knowing that. I personally love the idea of like going to Disney World, walking into a studio, and seeing a bunch of animators like tinkering on their computer saying, we're working on your next feature film. Yeah, they used to do that back when it was still Disney MGM Studios mm -hmm. in Florida. I like to imagine that. <laughs> yeah, they don't do that anymore. It's all back here in California. But um, Dinosaur from 2000 Wild. was Disney animation combined with live action photography. Like those were real deserts that they shot in like forests and stuff. But not for this one. This not, was fully CGI. To my knowledge, even the envir environments were fully CGI. I love that. I love when they're wow. running through the sand and the dust is being kicked up behind them. I'm not sure why she said wow during my like big favorite <laughs> moment. But like every particle of dust was like flying through the air. And I was like, an animator probably had to go like boop, 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 boop. It's, it's a lot of simulation now, which is why they're able to make it so complex. We're going to start calling this Philip Rune's animation for Jody podcast. <laughs> I like well, to think of the animators mooping around. Do, do you guys watch those uh, VFX artists react videos that I've shared with you guys? Like The one you just sent that? today, I did not see. Okay. That was one comparing the original Lion King with the new one. Mostly what I remember from that video was the fact that certain animals were removed in this version that aren't clearly aren't native to africa but were like included what? in the uh anteaters um I, I although and i think in the new one they have aardvarks which aardvarks. are basically anteaters but african um like during the um i kind of love that the old one they just threw some random animals in there that's actually hilarious yeah and like Rafiki, <laughs> you know, they call him a baboon in the first one. He, he's actually a mandrill. Although back then they thought mandrills were also baboons. Um, but and then he had that tail that wasn't correct. Um, and and that like was so awesome. He's uh, <laughs> sh shown using his left hand, I think, to mark Simba with the little you know crest at the beginning. And is there symbolism in that using the left hand? I don't think so, but it just contradicts his use of the staff as a weapon later in the film where he's using it in like a right-handed position. Um, so he's they, ambidextrous. Just, <laughs> well, why wouldn't he be? He's just shaman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He is a shaman. And his yeah, best moment... Sign with your... Your he what? Go ahead. Hannah, I want to hear you. Oh. I'm pretty sure, aren't you supposed to do the sign of the cross with your left hand? I'm like trying to figure out which hand I use here, but maybe that's okay. why. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that that was just one thing they changed in, in this movie. Um, uh, yeah, and, uh, leaf cutter ants, I guess, aren't native to Africa. Oh, but... no, those are like the opening scenes from the original one, right? They're like yeah. walking in a straight line. I feel like I saw them in this one. Yeah, Were there they, nothing? They included them as a creative decision. Yeah, good choice. Because I feel like, and are you ta you're talking about the opening number here. The mm -hmm. opening number, was it pretty much like shot for shot the same as? 
Yeah, essentially, um, Rafiki doesn't come from like over the edge of Pride Rock, which would have been like a near impossible climb <laughs> in the original. Uh, in this one, he just comes from, <laughs> you know, the, the the more, you know, sensible approach. Um, but otherwise, it's basically the same. And And yeah, like I... Well, I most recently saw the original Lion King with my nephew, Charlie. A few did he love ago. it? He did. I got him the plushes for, of Simba Aww. and Nala, and they're like his favorite things. Oh, cute. Uh, he calls them his yeah. lovies. <laughs> his lovies, his little stuffies. That's what my nephew used to call them. Well, that's good that when, how old is he? Like a five-year-old? Four. Four. Okay, that's good that like four-year-olds are watching it and they're still like, impressed and falling in love with the story because I was wondering if maybe we are just like these 90s kids that are like putting it on this like pedestal and maybe like new four-year-olds don't like it but if he's running around with his lovies and like watching it then he must think it's good yeah no I'm not totally yeah, disheartened and then in 20 years, he's gonna be like the new one's trash <laughs> I mean Kids, kids aren't all bad because you still see the, like the reception of say Frozen among kids is still a big deal. Like at least these newer animated films do hit. Wait, Frozen was popular. <laughs> who who would have thought? Um, so it's not that Elsa. kids don't go to movies anymore, but you know, it would break my heart if that ever became the case. I didn't see a lot of children at the showing I went to, but then again, I was at the 930 uh, show. So so I'm assuming in those earlier shows, there are people bringing their children. And I don't know, like, I don't think I would bring a four-year-old to this one just because the the intense things seem like a lot more real hmm. to me in this one, um, as opposed to the animated one where you can be like, oh, it's just a movie. This one kind of comes off as like, I don't know. I, I didn't see any any really young ones in my audience. Life's not fair, is it, my little friend? While some are born to feast, others spend their lives in the dark. <laughs> begging for scraps. Everything you see exists together in a delicate balance. While others search for what they can take, a true king searches for what he can give. And I'm guessing the reviews coming in since you took a look. I'm, I'm assuming people, for the most part, liked it. Um, I haven't been watching too many reviews, but um i i know it's gotten a bit of a middling reaction personally i liked it better than the jungle book uh, or dumbo i mean it's hard to say i i liked cinderella the remake i um the christopher robin movie from last year was okay i thought it was fun we all loved aladdin aladdin was good mm-hmm I, I don't know. I really liked The Jungle Book and I liked this one. So I think I'm like really easy to please when it comes to Disney stuff. So I'm probably not the best reviewer for all of it. Um, Maleficent was pretty mad for me. 
oh, there's a trailer for the next one coming out. Yeah. Um, that that aired during our trailers before the show. Looks, I, I thought I remember um, King Stefan, uh, Charlotte Copley uh, <laughs> dying in in the first one, but maybe I was wrong. We might have to revisit it. Because <laughs> isn't he back in this one? King yeah, Stephen? they do. Yeah. I think so. And and some, well, we don't have to like go on a tangent of this, no. but like the mom of Philip is like the new villain. And I don't know. I don't know. Let's yeah. stick to the remake photorealistic ones instead of sure. all these like spinoffs. Sure. So uh, we um, made a reference to, what did we make a reference? Another, oh, um, Stranger Things. A current piece of media that's in the zeitgeist so i wanted to bring up one other thing which is my favorite new joke from the movie or the point the part that made me laugh the most was that impala character that got like one line in the middle of the film i i don't even remember it all that well but it's like simba's all grown up and he's trying to fit in amongst the oasis animals but they're all still kind of scared of him just based on gut instinct. Yeah, I liked that part. Uh, it was a little, it wasn't a, oh yeah, it was antelope, right? Cantaloupe? Uh, Impala. Impala, Impala. And he was just like, yeah, it's okay, Simba. I'll, uh, I'll see you around. Like Simba wants, you know, the <laughs> Impala to play with him. <laughs> yeah, it'd be kind of lonely um, being the only lion out there. But that Impala was voiced by Phil Lamar, um, who's, uh quentin Tar tarantino reference uh he played marvin i believe in pulp fiction which if you've seen pulp fiction you know that character for the the, the dude who gets his brains blown out in the back of a <laughs> moving vehicle i think you need dawson for stuff like this because hannah and i don't watch pulp fiction yeah, well, Tar Tarantino has a new movie out this week. Yeah, we have Once no Upon a Time in Hollywood. Cool what you're talking. Yeah, Phil Lamar. Dawson knows of Phil Lamar from like his video game work and things like that. Definitely. Um. So opening weekend, this movie made 191 million dollars, 700 thousand. Uh, at the U.S. box office, it just utterly insane figure. It's the July all-time opening, so that that's bigger than Toy Story. Do you think that like another successful, you know, you know, opening weekend at the box office, they're just going to continue on with this trend of doing it? Um, not necessarily a remake, but like how Jungle Book was and how this one was, like where it's more straight off of. The original do you think they're going to keep on doing that well i think they have only one more surefire winner in the little mermaid because that's the only remaining disney renaissance film like the big four renaissance film uh, right because they did beauty and the beast and mm -hmm. um aladdin and this one here and then they're gonna have to give the people what they want which is tarzan yeah well <laughs> I think they're going to have to get creative if they start adapting more of the other non-mega hit films. Um, I mean, they're definitely, they're already doing Mulan. Um, and But Mulan's yeah. not going to be a musical. Well, if they did a shot-for-shot -shot remake of Mulan, it probably wouldn't do as well as this did. 
Right, because no one liked the movie Mulan. The original <gasps> Mulan wasn't. That is they? my niece's favorite princess. Lots of people <laughs> not like that Mulan. good. It wasn't as big of a hit, certainly. Flop. It was a flop. Let's talk about them doing Hercules. <laughs> I mean, Hercules. They're going to have to do something <laughs> really interesting with Hercules. I, yeah, and I know that is one that's in the works. I, I'm very curious because the original Hercules just is not something that speaks the language of 2019. Wait, how so? It speaks my language. It was so of its time. It was like a proto Shrek. Sorry, I'm aping this hardcore from a podcast called uh, The Blank Check, which I was just listening to before we recorded this. So sorry to uh, Griffin Newman and David Sims. Uh, I'm, I'm stealing literally from, from your podcast where they were talking about The Lion King and some of the upcoming live action Disney remakes and talking about Hercules. Um, and and that made the apt comparison of Hercules being sort of a proto Shrek back in the no. 90s. What? We're going to have to battle them because well, I don't see it. But Hercules is purely like a pop culture riff on on like it's sort of Aladdin taken up to 11 in in its poppiness. Because it's it's not very it's not a faithful adaptation of the original Hercules myth in the slightest, I feel. See, I, I don't think they're trying like to Godzilla do it. because in Godzilla they're like freeing all these like demons and those are the ones that Zeus put in the ground. Right? I it's an interesting story, but it's um you know, they use the gospel aesthetic as the you know narrative framing device. Um and that's you know the the Greek choir is is these this gospel troupe. Uh, is that going to play as well, you know, done once again compared to how it was? I, yeah, I don't know. It's just well, so I guess specific. I have no idea, but I feel like Disney's going to just continue whipping these out because they know we have $30 in our pocket and we're willing to spend it for our childhood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm... Uh, I, I'd be all for like Treasure Planet, um, Atlantis might be cool as long as these are like serious takes on. I on love Atlantis. Mm -hmm. That would be super cool. Like I'll be marrying Milo Thatch. <laughs> but I, as far as like um, bankable hits, um, Disney's going to be running out of ideas um just yeah their repertoire yeah. is getting kind of limited now that they've like flung through all these i think lion king was a really like hyped up one and now they're gonna kind of do the same thing with little mermaid and then those little other ones are gonna spill in in between like the Male maleficent sequel um move on honestly is like a spillover and i feel like i mean it's not disney necessarily but peter pan has been like done to death in remake style yeah that too that's one that could be a bankable option, but yeah, the fact that it has been done so often um, is is a knock against it. Well, the and like Disney has tried to sell some, you know, somewhat original uh, live action sci-fi fantasy 
films in recent memory, but none of them have really taken off. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain for some that might have come out in the last so few years. The, pretty much all have been flops across the board, um, with the exception <laughs> of maybe. Um, <laughs> what? It's just funny it's just to a think funny of word. Just flops. Like you just threw a prune so in the pool. You had flop. the Lone Ranger. Um, I, I can't even remember what specific years these came out, but the Lone Ranger was one. Uh, John Carter, um, Tomorrowland, Tron oh, Legacy yeah. barely yeah. made money. Um, I love Tron Legacy, by the way. I want Tron 3. Um, well, you said it was a flop. Well, it, it just wasn't a Lion King level hit. It, it, okay. it made money. <laughs> Tron Legacy was like one of the more successful live action Disney movie uh, movies that wasn't an animated remake. Well, Philip, spoiler <laughs> alert, Tron is about to take it up a notch because they're banking the Tron roller coaster at Disney World. So maybe they're going to make some new movies. Your dreams could come true if you want them to. Okay, but here's yeah. the thing, guys. Remember Home on the Range, the 2D? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that will be their next live action. Three yeah. cows, like, just on the range. Which, um, wasn't Roseanne Barr in that movie? Yes. Philip's the ultimate trivia master when it comes to that definitely stuff. Definitely so, a Roseanne vehicle. We should just be counting our blessings that we're reviewing the Lion King I instead of Home on the Range. <laughs> but, so, like... Hopefully they're able, I don't know, Disney just hasn't been very good at selling people on quasi-original stories, new new stories. I mean, a lot of these things are already based on IPs, but with these direct adaptations of their their most famous films, they've had a lot more success. Which is so um interesting to me because oftentimes not toy story is a bad example because toy story is the exception to the rule mm -hmm. but other than that i feel like oftentimes sequels don't do as well and i think live actions are almost taking the place of a sequel because they're seen as more successful mm -hmm. and the term live action is kind of silly to me because as we said before these stories aren't original. So there's tons of movies and tons of plays that are the exact same thing, but you toss a different character name and a different costume on the story and Disney's making billions. So I just think it's really interesting that the whole live action genre has become so popular. Yeah, I, I think a big part of it is just people's nostalgia for the music, for the stories. Um, it, it, these movies, Lion King especially, is just banking purely on people's nostalgia um, and it's, it's had a, a big uh, impact as a result. Right. And I, I wonder, but I don't think it to be true that the children that go see this that haven't seen the original, I don't think it would stick with them in the same light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'd be interested in more films done in this style, uh, these wildlife-centric uh, movies told without any human characters. Like, I, I think it's an interesting idea. I like it. I really like it. Like, if I can go to a musical that also looks like Planet Earth, 
and eat popcorn. I, I, I love it. I hope they keep doing it. <laughs> well, speaking of live action Disney remakes, the most, well, um, I guess recent, in recent news, uh, Avengers Endgame surpassed Avatar as the highest grossing film of all time worldwide. But Avatar itself, wild. it's wild. But speaking of Avatar, <laughs> that's basically just a live action version of Pocahontas set in space. Here's the thing. Avatar sucks. Like, don't get me on this big tangent of how that guy can't get his life together. He can't get his life together to, like, figure out these films. They were supposed to come out, like, 10 years ago. And here we are just, like, twiddling our thumbs, like, trying to get on Flight of Passage at Disney World because it's an amazing ride. But why did they build a world for Avatar when, like, we have one movie and all the actors have now died? They're, they're like, four more <laughs> in development so prove it philip because like we've been waiting <laughs> well the podcast is going to be having its 50th anniversary we'll all be here and they'll be like oh avatar 2 trailers have just dropped i just thought it was interesting <laughs> and this is my hot take for the day which is how the lion king dwarfed what was projected to be a bigger film for disney animation uh in the form of pocahontas um and Pocahontas kind of ended up getting a little bit of box office revenge in the end with the success of Avatar, which was just basically a reskin of Pocahontas. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, that's the joke of the day. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't realize that those two came out so closely. And they probably will try to do like a live action Pocahontas at some point too oh I mean, my gosh no way Philip. <laughs> they will never do, we'll have to be doing no i don't think they but will like they won't because pocahontas was the only character the only princess that was like a real person and if they try to remake it like we'll have to torch all of the amcs and the popcorn will go up in flames well here's the thing i think the the real linchpin <laughs> for these things is the music um the Jungle True. Book was maybe, that did really well. And I think it was a bit of an exception. I, well, actually, I think it's because the music for the original Jungle Book was so beloved that people to this day have fond memories of that film. Plus the you know, um, draw of seeing the, the ant creatures, you know, in CGI. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that one was a bit of an anomaly as a non um Disney Renaissance remake that did super well at the box office. But I, I think movies with lasting musical numbers are going to have the best shot at, at being an, a box office draw for potential remakes. Uh, so movies with just total um, banger soundtracks like Pocahontas, mm -hmm. which to me is... A, a, I mean, I love the soundtrack even more than I love the film as a whole. Um, Hunchback Colors of, no of the Wind. Yes. I mean, just incredible pieces of music from, um, oh God, uh, not Stan, Sondheim. Yeah, not Sondheim. Steven. Schwartz. Uh, Schwartz. Schwartz. There you go. Thank you, Hannah. He wrote Wicked. I know exactly who he is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's been to his house. 
No, I haven't, but I've watched a lot of stuff on YouTube. And he didn't just write Wicked. He's actually a very, 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 very prominent writer in the Broadway community. Yeah, Stephen Schwartz, the absolute <laughs> genius, genius. Didn't he also do Hunchback of Notre Dame? Uh, so that's another potential remake that I would be excited for just based on And he has a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which you can see on the internet with also my feet in the picture. <laughs> I could literally walk from my house in 10 minutes <laughs> and get and see it. Go see his star, Philip. LA vibes. Uh, I'll have to. Um, Sondheim, what did he do? He uh, did Into the Woods. He uh, did Sweeney Todd. He did Sunday uh-huh. in the Park with George. He did a lot of things, and I'm his number one fan, and I listen to his podcast. Okay, cool, Jody. Crazy. Not everyone funny. has to pretend that they have stars at their feet. I, I get the um, actually, Stevens confused. God, Philip, catfight. Stephen <laughs> Leasing, the football player from Boston, <laughs> Minnesota. There you go. The only one that matters. <laughs> the only one that will ever matter to me. Just kidding. But if she <laughs> actually knew who he was, she would have said Godspell and Pippin. Bye. You guys, <laughs> get back to the topic of the Lion King. Uh, we, we've pretty much... Elton... Okay, so the four returning people... <laughs> the... Philip's like, we already... Oh, wait, actually, there's more facts. So there were four people from the original <laughs> who came back on this one. It, um, not actors, but personnel. And they were, uh, you know, number one, James Earl Jones doing the voice. Uh, and Hans Zimmer, who did the score. Elton Woo! John... Elton John and Tim Rice also returned to this film. Rocket Man! So grand total four. I was wrong about um, Frank Welker, who did the creature voices in the original. It, oh. I guess they did use real lions in the new one. <gasps> Even cooler. Mm-hmm. But how did they make them make the noises? Tickled them. Uh, cattle prods. <gasps> <laughs> no. I hate- I'm joking. That's what um, I was afraid of. It makes me want to like brand the idiots that poked them. <laughs> poke, poke, poke. <I'm> steamed. <laughs> like edamame. All right. Well, any, oh any more hot? <laughs> oh, uh, last, last note before we sign off. What do you guys think of the new Cats film? <gasps> Have you seen the trailer? Yes, I'm here for it. Andrew Lloyd Webber is so much fun. The CGI looks kind of weird, but I'm going to get suckered into it like I always am. And like Taylor Swift's in it, Jason Derulo. I will be shouting from the rooftops, cats, 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 cats. So that's me, Hannah. Hey, Hannah. <laughs> I am so mad, and I think that it's due doing Broadway a disservice. I cannot believe that a musical with this much history is, oh my gosh. I feel like the CGI looks ridiculous. I think the casting is a huge mistake. And I think that you need to keep Broadway in Broadway and you don't need to bring all of these like random things into it that make no sense. And I get that they're trying to make ticket sales, but this is one of the biggest musicals of all times and they really need to get it together. And I will be disappointed either way, but I'm going to go into it with high hopes, hoping that my expectations are incorrect, but they won't be, so. Yeah, I think Cats has the longest, like, run on Broadway ever, right? Like, something like Um, that. Like, Phantom of the Opera does. But also written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. But 
here's the thing with cats is like every musical theater person knows about cats. You almost have to know about cats. And as much as it's not my favorite musical, I think it's a musical that needs to be respected. And I think it has so many ties to so many different things. And it's so intertwined in the Broadway community that just using it, honestly, for the hype and the ticket sales, they could have written a different movie for these people no. that have no business doing it. The Jellicle cats have to Jellicle cat onto the screen. And uh, I am I, Jellicle cats. <laughs> it combines so many different art forms, I feel, with the choreography. It's going know, to be it's... so entertaining. It's really going to be one of the most entertaining movies of the year. Like, the plot, who cares? But, like, says every the magic. commercial ever. The, the CGI is interesting. And now that I've seen it in the trailer, I, I feel like they should have just gone with costumes and practical effects. <sighs> this is an um, animation podcast. Now that I've seen the trailer, I'm very annoyed. So, yeah, they they kind of. I mean, it's it looks okay, but it does sort of look like a transporter accident from Star Trek. Like a, a cat got merged. It honestly looks like they had fifteen cents in their budget, and like they were like, "Oh, CGI. Let's use like Facetune." <laughs> What's going on? Honestly, like I could do better on my phone. Oh, everyone's, and she has done better on her Everyone's phone. like posting pictures from that face <laughs> app. I haven't even touched it. It's kind no, of... no, no! Don't do <laughs> don't it! Don't get yeah. it! Russian spies. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's actually just Hannah trying to get like people's deets. She created that app so like people would send her her selfies. No, but honestly, I should have thought of it first. <laughs> okay. Also, I have a to retract, not retract, but I need to be more sensitive in my earlier statements that I keep thinking about when we were talking about Seth Rogen and all of these actors and how intimidating it is to come into these roles. I feel I was like a little cold and I understand that they're intimidated and it is big shoes to fill and they do things themselves and they're never going to be the original. So putting your own spin on it is great. I just didn't love it. And like, congratulations because the role is huge and like your acting resume will grow and who cares what I think. Mm. But that's my take on it. Is that wasn't I a retraction? That was a reiteration. With a little more, no, little more tact, it would have been more effective to me. But I also think that I want to be respectful in the fact that they did have big shoes to fill. And congratulations. <laughs> that's kind of a retraction. <laughs> so how would how would you rate? Just very curious. How would you rate this out of ten? Uh, as well as the original, Hannah. Jody. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm always mm, first. What the heck? Like, well, because nobody knows. Actually, you were third last time, and you really snowballed us all. <laughs> um, <laughs> wild. <laughs> wild. Drinking game. Take a shot. Um, but I think... Compared to the original, I don't want to do that. I want to have it as its own movie. I'd give it like an eight because of the photorealism animation. Acting-wise, singing-wise, and overall storytelling, like a six. What about the original? The original, a thousand out of ten. I okay. loved it. It's okay. my childhood. I can't really rate it because 
when you're like four years old, you just are like, wow, Simba's bouncing off the walls. Me too. That's weird because like you weren't four when the movie came out. Oh, okay. Well, here we are. <laughs> well, you probably saw it in theaters in like a re-release or something. Maybe, maybe yeah. when you were four. Or like VHS, I don't know. <laughs> Jody, how about your, what's your rank, ranking? Um, of this remake, or sorry, of the 2019 version, ugh, I was in such a good mood when I watched it. Like, I want to just give it a 10. But if I had just seen it and had no connection to the... <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, sorry, I'm going to... I'll start over. I was in a really good mood when I watched The Lion King. So I want to give it a 10. But, like, if I'm trying to be a critic here and I'm forcing myself to be a critic, I'll give it a 9. The okay. original, I'm going to give also a 10. Here's the thing, Philip. Like, don't ask me to rate them because Disney cannot really do so much wrong in my eyes. So 10 out of 10 out of 10 out of 10. Good mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I give them an extra point for Beyonce, so. Yeah, the the original, it's it's either a 10 or a, a 9.5 for me. So um, good. It's, yeah, it's near nearly a perfect film. Um, the new one, um, I, I'd say maybe a solid seven because I did enjoy it. I knew it. you were going to say a seven. Yeah. It's a nice, uh, nice spiritual number. I always feel mm-hmm. like a genius when I pick the same number as Philip. <laughs> you gave it a 10. So like, no, I didn't. Uh, I gave the old one a 10. I gave the new one a seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll listen on the replay because you didn't give it a seven. I thought you okay. said like six as like the, as far as the story I can't was. I remember cons- that long ago. No, I well, yeah, said she's seven. Gonna spend another seven. attraction. No, I said seven for the animation and like a six for like the rest of it. Yeah. Storytelling. No. Seth Rogen brought it down a point. Beyonce brought it up 11 points. It was a lot of math. Nice. All right. Well, I, uh, we better get going. And uh, definitely uh, uh, thank everyone listening for sticking with us here on the Thodcast. This has been really fun. Um, we've been a little all over the place, but hey, it's, <laughs> it's all about the fun <laughs> here on the, the Thodcast. Uh, conversations about animation. And uh, you can find us, um, well, uh, we'll just go around the same order. Start with Hannah. Where, where can people find you online? <laughs> you can find me, start typing, at Hannah Lee Ever After on Instagram. Hannah with an H, Lee, L-E-I-G-H, Ever After, like fairy tales. And congrats, Disney, on a roaring success. Oh, my God. Okay, well, you can find me on Instagram as well. It's Jody J-O-D-I, last name Pulaski, P like puppy, O-L-A-S-K-Y. You'll know it's me because I have, like, 7,000 followers, so I'm, like, pretty famous. <laughs> oh, I'm not lying when I say that I'm famous. And I'm a total recluse, so you can find me at Philip Elke. I don't have many followers, but my name is... <laughs> So it's Philip with one L E H L K E. Uh, you can find the Thodcast on Instagram and Twitter at Thodcast. You can follow us on Apple Podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts uh, to use the plural, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher Radio, and uh, visit us at 
thodcast.com. Uh, thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Jody. I'll be reconnecting with you both at some point here, maybe D23. A D23. Maybe sooner. Um, and everyone out there, uh, come find us at D23. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back on the Thodcast with more stuff. Um, I'm Phil Belke signing off for the Thodcast. Warm hugs, everyone. Have a magical day and a wonderful week. Should we all start roaring? Roar. Roar. <laughs> Hannah's not having it.